0: To Wake Up with Nubian Tigers Talk, a podcast brought to you by a group of Black Princetonians where we talk about issues impacting our Black and Brown communities. My name is Michelle Jacobs, and I'm here with my co-host as always, Ray Smalls. So we're very excited to have uh, three guests. These are our first three repeat guests. (laughs) So this is a very special episode (laughs) for us. Um, Today we have with us Mary Nelson, uh, Dr. James Herbert Carter, and Glennon Three. So welcome to the show. Now, um, Glennon and Janice, I think you have a, little, a few words for us before we actually jump into the questions.
1: Yes, I do. I'm, I'm happy to be here today, and uh, thank you for letting me participate.
0: Thanks, Michelle and Ray, for having me again.
2: I need to state that any views that I express are my own personal views and do not represent in any way my employer, Morehouse School of Medicine.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't do that. I, I'm not employed. I'm retired now. So, but my views do not represent anything anybody <laughs> other than me. Well,
0: that's great. Since our last time, we have some retirees yeah. up in here, and and it's good to be free, isn't it? It is. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. We're waiting for Janice to jump into that. <laughs> I got hey, too many hey, bills right hey, now. <laughs> uh,
3: uh, yours truly ain't free neither.
0: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> okay well let's get into it right the last time we all got together or 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 last time uh, ray and i had an opportunity to discuss uh, the election was uh, around the 2020 election so mm-hmm. here we are two years later it's the midterm elections and as you know so much has transpired since that 2020 election we thought it would be a good idea just to get together and chat Um, and see what's happening in your respective areas. So I'm I'm actually gonna start with Mary first. Um, Mary, the last time you were on the show, you were talking about some of the difficulties that the voters in uh, Missouri have, both because of the um, close relationship with the county versus the city, and also uh, the voter registration
4: issues. So bring us up to date what's happening there where you are. Well, Missouri has a fairly new um, and recently legally challenged um, voter suppression law, I will call it. Um, We have, instead of being able to establish your identity by showing a utility bill, a lease, a current lease, or current mail, you now have to have a photo ID with your current address. If you don't have your current address on your ID, which can't have expired. So even if it's a passport, if it's expired and it doesn't have your current address on it, you will be given a provisional ballot and provisional ballots usually aren't counted. The other thing that's added is that unlike other states where Um, If you vote a provisional ballot, you have a a right to cure, where you can come in and establish your address. You can come to the election office on election day to show that you are who you say you are, hopefully with the right ID. Um, But the problem is, it's a very small office there will be hundreds and hundreds of people there. And the chances of your being able to establish your identity um, if you don't have a a photo ID are slim and none. Mm. So it sets up a perfect scenario where lots and lots of people, especially seniors who no longer drive and who gave up their driver's license, um, people who tend to move around a lot for whatever reason and don't have their current address on their photo ID, Um, also students, especially students who are in town from wherever, just like when I voted for the first time in 1976 in Princeton, you can't do that now because Mm -hmm. unless you have that ID, you can't use a student ID. Then you can't establish that you have a right to vote, even if you are registered to vote and in the voter rolls. And then they put some language in there that said that anybody can still challenge a voter whose identity is suspect. And so with our Republican Secretary of State, it's a very good likelihood that there will be a lot of people who will be dis- disenfranchised. And this is the first time that this law will be in effect in Missouri. There was a special election in the city of St. Louis for Board of alderman president, and it applied then 6% of the electorate turned out to vote in that election. So essentially, this is new to everybody in the state of Missouri. I expect that it will cause a lot of problems.
0: So I, uh, I don't know about Missouri, but I saw in another state that um, there have been so many challenges to the validity of the voter's identification yes. that the, the office cannot handle
3: mm-hmm.
0: all of the challenges. So mm-hmm. I expect that it, it'll be something similar.
4: Yes, so, I mean, that's how it's played out in other states, um, groups here that have challenged this, have have not had any success. I think the last case was thrown out as recently as last week, Um, but it's expected that close to 20 to 30% of the registered voters will not be able to cast a ballot.
3: Can can I ask Mary, um, what about polling places? You know, a lot of, especially in the black communities, a lot of polling places were shut down. Just so that, uh, you know, uh, you had to travel twice the distance, three times the distance uh, in order to go vote than you did, let's say, in 2016 or 2012. Is that the case in Missouri as well?
4: Um, Missouri is, is going to be very interesting to watch on that issue because um, local boards of elections control the number of polling places within each district. So there's been redistricting in Missouri, as I'm sure there has been in other states. And especially in the center of the state, where a congressional district has moved so that half of the people are in the new district and half are in the old, um, it's going to be confusing. Um, Also, in the city and the county, unlike the last election when we talked, where county people could show up at any polling place, but the city people had to go where they were assigned. Now the city has changed, but they haven't made that widely known, which, you know, will it'll be crazy. It'll be crazy.
3: Mm -hmm. So, okay, Mary's in Missouri. Glennon, you're down in Alabama, which uh, certainly has been in the news uh, the last, you know, several years, and um, is the ID requirement uh, issue as much a problem for Alabamans as as it is in Missouri?
1: It's not as much of a problem in Alabama, I don't think, because we've had something similar to that before. But it's it's a typical, it's another way of, of voter suppression.
3: And beyond that, um, what about, as I asked Mary, about um, the number of polling places that uh, were closed down in states all over the country? They've been
1: closed down, some in Alabama, but, you know, in Alabama, the politics is so one party that it, it really doesn't matter that much. We're we're basically a Republican state. We don't have a single Democratic officer that's in a statewide office. Wow. So
0: Not so, so Glenn, I saw that um, since Shelby versus Holder, it's gotten even worse in Alabama than it was before. What's, what's the impact that you're seeing there on... Um, well, what, the impact
1: that we're seeing is that we had we had gerrymandering when we had redistricting. And so like the seventh congressional district is the only congressional district that has a Black representative, Terry Sewell, looks like a zipper that goes halfway across the state. Mm. And so they, they gerrymandered the state so that we only have, we have seven congressional districts and 27% of our population is Black. But only one one congressman.
0: We should note here that Terry is also a Princeton. uh so, you know. and that law was
1: challenged, and the challenge was denied. Hmm.
3: And that's and that gerrymandering is uh, in the the Supreme Court. Just listen to that right. uh, to that case, Clinton. Correct.
1: And I think we're gonna I think we're gonna lose because what I think they're gonna say is that it's political gerrymandering, which is which is fine as long as it's not based on racial means.
0: Yeah, I think the Supreme Court has been pretty clear that they're done with the gerrymandering issue. <laughs> you know, you
1: don't... The gerrymandering is one of the greatest dangers of, of voting rights, I think.
0: Right, no. Because
1: absolutely. what it allows is for the minority to rule in many states.
3: Right. Which is, which is the master plan. It is.
0: Right. I, I was also reading uh, recently, and maybe they were interviewing Terry. I'm not sure about that, Terry Sewell. But they were talking to uh, the people in Selma, Alabama where, as you know, the Pettus Bridge and all that, well, all these big events happened during the civil rights movement. And um, less than 50% of the registered Black people in Selma itself vote. And the ones who did vote were the older ones who obviously remembered the civil rights struggle, but very few of the young people were engaged enough or cared enough or thought it was relevant enough to vote, so are you seeing um, similar things like that over the rest of the state? We are,
1: it's hard to get people motivated when you don't really have a two-party system. All Democrats, not just black Democrats, but all Democrats feel disenfranchised.
0: Yeah, so that's the the irony of it though, right? Because if you feel disenfranchised and you don't participate, then you are disenfranchised because you can't ever uh, get that system to change. So it's it's a difficult not. Uh, You know,
3: Michelle, I'd like to ask Glenn. And uh, now, Glenn, I know you're not, you know, uh, practicing, you know, law or I don't know how much law do you practice and, you know, outside of uh, Alabama. But I mean, is it the case that you see the same circumstances happening in the deep south, Mississippi, Louisiana? Uh, Are Are there issues the same as the issues in Alabama? Georgia is the
1: only deep south state that's different. Mississippi, Louisiana, to some degree, Texas. It's Republican-controlled, and the Republican Party is very mean-spirited, and um, they attack Democrats. And Democrats don't have the, the political wherewithal to, to oppose them. They just get ground into the dust. It's very, very frustrating. Hmm. So, in many offices in Alabama, the Repub- Republicans run unopposed. And I mean, big offices like county commissioners and, and right, right. Yeah, offices of substance, because Democrats can't even amount of candidate so so why is that though Why? why... because when you live in a county where 80 percent of the registered voters are republican it's hard to get a democratic candidate because they just know they can't win so it's difficult to raise money okay
0: yeah
3: it, it's so uh, so Glenn you're telling us it's a lost cause i mean like democrats no, it's not never... a lost
1: cause but it's pretty bad Raymond. Mm. it's
3: pretty bad yeah that's frustrating that's frustrating to hear
0: it is it is but since he raised uh georgia
3: yeah yeah
0: (laughs) let's switch over to uh janice for a minute where as everyone knows or should know there's two um very interesting races going on in georgia one for the governor Stacey abrams against kemp and then also the circus like
3: Yeah, (laughs) probably the two biggest high-profile races in the country.
0: But we got to get to the (laughs) circus-like race of uh, Marshall Walker and Raphael uh, Warnock. Not because of Raphael Warnock, I might add. I was going to say, the circus
3: is only run by one person. By one side.
0: It's a one-person circus supported by many uh, so-called invisible Uh, supporters. But um, let's get to Janice and uh, find out what's happening over there in Atlanta.
2: I do want to clear up a misconception that a lot of people have, which is that Georgia is not red anymore. We have two Republican senators, uh, excuse me, two Democratic senators, Mm. senators, but everything else is Republican. We have some uh, Democratic congressmen because you know, basically, John Lewis was congressman forever, and you know he passed, and his successor, of course, is a Democrat, and we have a few more Democratic congressmen. But Georgia is red, and when Senators Warnock and Ossoff were elected, it was really kind of a fluke. Uh, Ossoff got elected because Georgia has a rule in order to avoid a runoff, you have to get 50% plus one vote. Right. So it's it's kind of a high bar to get that 50% plus one if there's three candidates. And so there's usually a libertarian candidate who throws a monkey wrench into the system. And so when Asof was running, the libertarian pulled votes. There were... You know, when the runoff came, a lot of Republicans stayed home and he won. With Warnock, he was running for a seat where there were 12 candidates because it was a non-partisan race to fill a seat where the previous senator had resigned due to health issues. And there were two big Republicans running against each other and against Warnock. They fought it out. The runoff ended up being between Warnock and one of them, and then the, other, the Republicans who didn't support the one who was in the runoff, they stayed home. And basically, you know, Trump was saying, "This is a sham. you know, this is a joke." And so a lot of Republicans just stayed home, and so Warnock got in. So we got two Democratic senators, basically as a fluke. Now. The Senate, Senators have a six-year term, so Ossoff is good, but Warnock, because he was running to fill out the end of a term of someone who had resigned, he only had a two-year term, so that's why he's running now. He is slightly in the lead, according to most polls. The last poll I saw this morning from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was 51% Warnock, 49% walker but you know that's that's tight that's within the margin of error
3: and we should let everybody know that's that's as of this recording yes (laughs) so it may change between the time that we go to air versus when the election actually happens yeah
2: and so it's to me almost inconceivable that it could be that close walker is such a weak candidate that if if Warnock were running against anybody else, he wouldn't have a chance. But because he's running against Walker, who even a lot of Republicans don't support, he has a chance, Warnock has a chance. Um, some people, all they care about is that Walker was endorsed by Trump. That's all they care about. So they're going to vote for him no matter what nonsense comes out of his mouth no matter what dirt from his past gets, you know, revealed, no matter what lies he tells, it doesn't matter. He was endorsed by Trump. We're going to vote for him. Um, If you saw the the debate, come on. I mean,
3: you know. Oh, Oh, no, time out, time out. Yeah, sure. Understand that the media, okay, the media's reaction to this last debate was, Well, Walker didn't fall on his face this time, so (laughs) he might have convinced a lot of on-the-fence Republicans to vote for him.
2: Right. How absurd is that? I don't think there were any on-the-fence Republicans, okay? I think there were people who refused to acknowledge that they supported him because it looks bad. Um, but there's also a libertarian in that race and so there might be a runoff and if there's a runoff my fear is that Warnock supporters will you know we have a history of not coming back for the runoffs we show up for the initial original race and then we don't show up for the
3: runoff why is that
2: I think it's a matter of people get excited people get fired up there's a lot of you know, encouragement to go out and vote, but that tapers off for a run, not just this one, you know, any runoff, you never get the turnoff turnout for a runoff that you get for the original race. Never. So I worry about that. Um, I'm hoping if, if the polls are right, but you know, in the past few years, polls have been way off. Um, If it really is 51 to 49,
0: then there won't be a runoff. So that's, that's my hope. It really says something, doesn't it? That um, our electorate um, have given up on the concept of democracy to the extent that they will vote for a, a, a violent, women abusing. Bingampoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. Idiot. Idiot. he mm-hmm. was Trump. That's power. all they care about. Yeah. That's all they care about. Now. Yep.
2: Yeah. What's interesting is it's a different situation with the governor's race. Okay, talk about that. Kemp is a very popular incumbent. He cut taxes. People love that. He's your kind of old school Republican, you know, pro-business kind of Republican. He's absolutely not a Trumpster because Trump hates him because he wouldn't, you know, uh, throw the election, so to speak, toward him. So he's not a Trumpster, but the Trumpster Republicans are going to vote for him just because he's a Republican. There's no way they're going to vote for a Black man. That's not going to happen. And then Mm -hmm. the other Republicans are going to vote for Kemp. Now, what's interesting is some of those Republicans who are going to vote for Kemp are going to split their vote. Mm -hmm. And they're going to support Warnock because they cannot support. I mean, Walker's such an idiot. So Warnock has a shot. Stacy she's only polling 81% of black folks. Mm-hmm. Warnock is polling 89% of black folks. So and I this is my take on it. Stacy is too progressive for a lot of black folks. You know, white democrats think, you know, are mostly liberal and they think that everything they support Black people support because we're Democrats, we support Black people. But a lot of Black people are deeply conservative on issues like abortion, on issues like LGBTQ plus issues, Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't support those things.
3: And that's that's the more religious vote. Yeah. Those are the more religious figures in the community. Is that correct?
0: Okay, but you could get that. Talk to me about 50 Cent and why he he got into a press conference (laughs) supporting Kemp saying that Abrams hadn't done anything for the community. I cannot explain that other than 50 Cent supported Trump.
2: He did. He did. So that's the only thing I can come up with is he's
4: out of touch. What about Killer Mike, Janice? who is very influential and as seems well. to have the ear mm-hmm. of a lot of his generation, which I find very troubling. Yeah,
0: very troubling. Yeah, I don't know. Um,
2: he has made various statements in the past that I thought were very questionable. And I don't know his motivation. I don't understand it. But you're right. He is influential among, you know, most people at our age have never heard of Killer Mike.
3: Well, you but, know, he's been on a lot of TV shows and he yeah. especially goes on Bill Maher a lot. You know, yeah. you can take a lead, I can take a leap, Bill Mara, But, you know, he's a bootstrap guy, right? Yeah. He yeah. talks about independence as black folks and we need to do our own thing. I don't have any problem with any of that. But, exactly. You know, it all depends on who's pulling up your boots, you know? Exactly. No. Or who's holding your boots down. Thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you. So you can pull all you want, but if somebody's got their foot on top of your boot or even worse, you ain't got no boot. <laughs> what's to pull up? Right. So I yeah. Um, I, I don't have an explanation for those two. I, you know, I, Especially 50 Cent at this point, I put him almost in the Kanye West category. Just yes. out there. Yeah,
3: I did. Yes. You know, exactly. just out there. I, Killer
2: Mike's not crazy. No. I think he's just wrong. Misguided. He's not crazy. Yeah.
4: But that's why it's so troubling. And I think Glennon alluded to this. Um, young people have given up on democracy. Young people are not voting. And when somebody is telling you who you think is level-headed and is pro-Black and is down, and when they're telling you Kemp is the guy, then, you know, if you bother to vote, you're going to follow someone like that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think it's very troubling that young folks have not experienced what we did in the civil rights era, they mm. don't understand the price that was paid for the vote. And they're just too willing to sit back and watch it all unwind and continue to grumble about what we ain't got, what we ain't getting, I, and not being willing to do anything about it. So I find,
3: I find that interesting. Okay, All the momentum that the murder of George Floyd and others had two years ago, almost three years ago now. Political activism and social activism and what have you. One would think that that would, you know, still be carrying over a couple of years later. So where is that activism? Where is the Black Lives Matter movement? Okay, they're in still out there. Voting?
0: No, no, they're still out there. They mm-hmm. are still out there. But what has happened is how. The Democratic politicians manipulate what needs to happen Mm. in order to stay in office. So you know that we're seeing now all these reports about crime and all that kind of stuff, which is a Republican tactic that they have used for centuries, right? right? And who's picking up on that?
1: Look at the way they backed away from the defund the police argument.
0: There you go. There you go. Where where was all that when the politicians were all like, oh, yes, the police this, we need to reallocate resources? No, every single one of them, almost, has supported giving the police more money. Where did all the COVID funding go? Mm -hmm. It went to the cities who gave it to the police. They didn't distribute it. They didn't invest in the communities that needed investment.
3: Or, Michelle, it was completely mismanaged by many municipalities all across this country.
0: Absolutely. And given to the police. The grassroots people are still there. They're still there. They're still fighting. If you follow them on uh, any social media platform, you can see the work that they're doing. But our major Democratic, quote unquote, leaders find it more profitable. Mm-hmm. To cast dispersion on what those people are doing in order to stay in office, and see and that's a problem. Yeah, yes, they need to stay in office, but it's yeah. it's got to be it, it's yeah, the it, same Clinton Obama uh, technique. step on the poor to please the middle class to stay in office.
3: or to quell their fears because every time you see Joe Biden do a a public event, you know, like he was just in Pennsylvania recently, or what have you and they start talking about the police, the first thing that'll be out of his mouth is like, oh, no, I'm not in favor of defund the police. You know, no, Joe Biden to... is
0: a police supporter. He has always he has
3: been. always been. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And he doesn't have a problem with police killing
4: people. Nope. Has
0: never had that problem.
4: I think it's a major failing of the Democratic Party and the DNC in particular um, not to play up That issue, particularly when it's just a gimme for Republicans to run on a, you know, Democrats are soft on crime kind of platform. And God bless them, but name one Democrat who has made the link between increases in violent crime and the proliferation of guns in this country. Name one. I mean, there's nobody who's making that connection and speaking directly to that issue. I mean, you know, it used to be that Social Security was the one thing you couldn't touch. That was the third rail of politics. Now the Republicans feel comfortable enough talking about it in midterms, as close as they are, they're throwing out little hints about private. Oh, no, they're not hinting.
3: Ron military. Johnson ain't hitting.
4: <laughs> I mean, what what the hell? But Democrats can't find the nerve mm. to say there are too many damn guns in this country. And, and that's listen, why everybody is afraid. And the data God. is out there. The data is available. It's data available.
0: Points out how it's being mishandled by the Republicans, but they
4: won't do it. They won't do it, and it's not because the NRA is still such a threat. No, you
3: know? not at all. The
4: NRA has been emasculated. Yep. They they've lost their funding right. by and large, so they're not the powerful threat that they used to be. But where are the Democrats on this issue?
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's a question I wanted to throw out to to you guys. Um, you know, Charles Blow, the New York Times uh, opinion columnist, moved to Atlanta right before the 2020 election. And uh, he wrote a column that said, more Black people should uh, move to the South uh, so that uh, Black people can get elected to positions in the South. So w- w- what do you guys think about that? Is that, is that how it works? It would take a lot of Black meaning. people moving.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of Black people moving back, but I don't think it's quite that easy. Yeah, yeah. The politics in the South are very peculiar, particularly in places like Alabama, because like I said, there's really no Democratic Party. And so the Republicans get pushed so far to the right because the whole campaign is their primary. And so you get people like like, like R- R- Representative Green.
3: Mm-hmm. But now, Glennon, so what were the circumstances back in whenever it was, 2016 or whatever, when Doug Jones um, uh, was was became senator, he was a Democrat from Alabama.
1: Yeah, Doug and, Jones was a former US attorney and he was very palatable to Republicans. And so he he slid in out of that office, but then he started voting with the Democrats and they got rid of him. And now we've got the former football coach who's a complete idiot.
3: Tupperville, right. Yeah, oh there. yeah, yeah. yeah Tubbaville, Woo. yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but football is a religion in Alabama. Yeah. That's all he needed was former coach.
3: And and Tuberville had in no, Georgia. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. And, and what, had from, no former UGA football star.
3: He had no problem saying basically uh, the all the violence in this country is by black folks, and he just said that as as a, a week or two ago. Yeah.
0: Two and weeks.
3: has and has had no repercussions from that whatsoever.
0: Yeah. So so let me ask you, uh, if any of you may be Mary or whatever, can you explain gerrymandering? to the audience so that they can understand why it's not necessarily about the numbers, but about how the system apportions the numbers.
1: Well, I can take a stab at it. Okay. (laughs) Congressional districts are all supposed to contain around 20 to 25,000 people. And so if they were divided on a grid, you would have a more proportionate dispersion of people from different nationalities and ethnicities. What happens now is that they go and carve out districts so that it, it includes all of the Democrats in one district so that there's not two districts that have like 40% Democrats. So it makes one district 90% Democratic and the other six, 60% Republican. And so that's what they've done. They've concentrated all the major areas of black population in the state of Alabama in one district. And it looks like a snake that goes halfway across the state.
4: And what yeah. is, is so frustrating about it is that the rules for um, creating districts say not only that you're looking for pockets of people with common interests, but the the lines are supposed to be um, forming around these communities in a way that doesn't preclude other communities from being a part of it. So I'm not explaining this well. So you get these wiggly lines Mm -hmm. when you're supposed to have smoother lines that go around geographic areas. So they, they use techniques called cracking, where you take a community of people and you split them in two intentionally to, in order to dilute voting strength. So that instead of having uh, an urban area that's like 80% Black, you would split that up into two or three districts. So those little pockets of Black people, even if the lines are not no longer drawing contiguous neighborhoods, then you crack it up so that you have a few Black people here, a few Black people there, and a few Black people over there, and three different districts. So you've completely diluted whatever voting strength might have been
3: there. But Mary and Glennon, but those, by cracking, though, those same districts, they become attached to other white districts or, or suburban districts.
4: Right. That's, That's correct. Do,
1: but it waters down any right, right. concentration so that you have enough to elect a, a Democrat or a Black. Right,
4: right.
0: So it doesn't matter how many Black people you have in a particular right. area. yeah um, Their vote is still going to be diluted, Uh, if the gerrymandering is successful.
4: That's correct. So in a state like Missouri, most of the Black people live in Kansas City or St. Louis on opposite sides of the state. So what's happening with the suburbs growing further and further into the center of the state is you see with each redistricting, carving out what little pockets of white folks or black folks, they can split off to make sure that the districts that are white remain white and that there's only one or maybe two districts that could be won by a black candidate, just two. So Missouri will likely never have more than two black Congress people.
3: Which is interesting, Michelle, because they can do that for voting, right? But they don't seem to do this. It doesn't seem to work quite the same with school districts, does it?
4: Oh. Uh, you know, for a school. White district, supremacy we, we don't We don't want
0: any black. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> in the school district, you know what? What are you saying? <laughs> so you know, so it's a bleak picture. Yes. Um, but tell me why you all uh, stay where you are and,
3: um, and vote where you are.
0: Yeah, and what what are you hoping for your respective states? What are you hoping in terms of how progress can be made in your, your particular state?
1: Well, it's incremental, and maybe we're hoping against hope, but it's also home.
4: It is home. You know, with all the scars and with all the mess, I've got history here. Um, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, Missouri hasn't had its state legislature be controlled by Democrats for 20 years, wow. 20 years. But before that, Democrats controlled the state for like 30 years. So these things come in cycles. You know, the good news is that one day Donald Trump will be dead. <laughs> Not by assassination, no, choking a cheeseburger <laughs> or Kentucky fried chicken, but one day he will be dead mm. and he will not be an issue in our politics. And I think it is incumbent on all good people who still believe in democracy mm. to impress on young people how important it is to always have hope and to keep coming back because things do change. As Glennon said, it is incremental. It looks hopeless for a long time. And then a special candidate comes along that people can rally behind. And then you start moving from there. How about you, Jan?
2: Well, I don't have the it's home argument because I'm from Brooklyn, but I've lived here for over 30 years. Atlanta is not Georgia. So, I mean, it's part of Georgia, but it's different from a lot of the rest of the state. So I feel comfortable where I live. And um, I'm here because I really have a stake in what I'm doing in terms of healthcare and education. Um, So that's why I'm, I'm here. Um, Atlanta is a great place to live. And so I like that. I vote. I encourage other people to vote. I contribute to campaigns. And quite frankly, when it looks hopeless, I vote because of my ancestors. Mm -hmm. I vote because of the people who couldn't vote. I vote because of the people who fought and died and bled and were beaten in the head. I, I met John Lewis. To the day he died, he had a Mm -hmm. scar from where he was beaten. I, you know, I vote because of those people. And I just got back from Africa and I just was at the door of no return. It was an incredible experience, but what it really impressed on me was I did return they did not manage to destroy our ancestors and so I'm the fruit of those ancestors and so I have I have to do this I have to continue to try I have to continue to vote I have to continue to support candidates who represent me and what I believe in so that's why I'm here
0: those are all three great answers. It's, Amen. Uh, um, yeah. If anyone has forgotten why we were here, you three mm-hmm. have summed it up perfectly. Um, and it's a great moment for us to wrap up and to thank you so much for uh, being our first double guest. <laughs> um, and, we're all, <laughs> and we're all going to uh, keep our eye on what's happening uh, in two weeks and regardless of what happens we're here we're going to keep fighting and and uh, black and
3: brown folk have to vote we 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 have have to to vote
0: vote. we have to vote i saw a statistic that said in north carolina which you know is one of our uh, states that have significant black population less than 50 percent of eligible voters black voters in north carolina vote in any election Mm -hmm. um so Somehow or another, we're going to have to find a way to get to this modern black person to help them understand what it is our people are trying to. As
3: Janice said, I mean, if we can get that same kind of courage that those folks had in the 50s and 60s today, then we can make a change.
0: Yeah, got to get them to put down those devices and (laughs) (laughs) to uh, get engaged and wait online. Yeah. So thank you very much, everyone. Uh, it's been a great discussion. Uh, and I'm, I know that our listening audience will enjoy hearing your thoughts and comments on the upcoming elections. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
4: Thank you.
3: Well, Michelle, there is still so much that we left out of our discussion with Glennon, Janice and Mary that, you know, we, we could certainly have taken another half hour to go over with them. But I think they we got a really good sense of from each of their states, uh you know Mary in the Midwest and Glennon and um, Janice uh, down uh, in the south and the deep south of uh, you know what some of the issues are going into uh, this midterm election.
0: Yeah, the conversation was great um, and it highlights just the amount of hurdles that we still have to overcome. Um, to exercise our constitutional right to vote. Right,
3: right. And we can't let any of these obstacles frustrate us or stop us from getting in those voting booths.
0: That's right, that's right. So everybody, get out there and vote. (laughs) If you enjoyed what you heard today, visit our website, NubianTigersPodcast.com. In addition to the podcast, we also post a resource page for each subject to provide additional sources of information. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Nubian Tigers, written as one word. We're also on YouTube on the Nubian Tigers podcast channel. Our podcast is hosted by Anchor FM, but if you have a favorite podcast app, we're probably on it. Just look for Nubian Tigers Talk. Looking forward to sharing some knowledge with you next time.
4: Wake up, wake up, wake up.